Welcome to Raw Roast, where we have real conversation about faith and life over a good cup of coffee. My name is Tucker Anderson. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Calvert Church. I'm on today uh, with Ben Tyvel, who's our engagement pastor, and Jeff Morgan, who is our executive pastor. Good to have you with us, Jeff. Yeah, it's good to be here. Jeff, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and what does an executive pastor do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were making jokes earlier about that. <laughs> what do you actually do here? <laughs> what do I do here? Yeah. What do you do here, Jeff? <laughs> uh, as far as the executive pastor role goes, um, I work in support of the rest of the ministry staff. Um, my role is is really to support you guys and uh, and to support uh, Sean in his role uh, as lead pastor and to try to bring his vision to reality. But it didn't start with that. I was, uh, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I started as, a, I guess it was an unpaid position. I was in a Christian band. Uh, did that for a number of years in my 20s and moved into student ministry, which um, I did for 10 years, and then into a post-high uh, school ministry of uh, college students and those who are in their 20s. I moved into an associate pastor's role at a plant church, and uh, I guess that uh, throughout the course of that, doing a lot of uh, a lot of variety of responsibilities, led into uh, being in a good position to uh, speak into all different kinds of ministry roles, and hence the executive pastor position. So you've had a lot of uh, experience in different things, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about your ministry here at Calvary is you, you're able to speak into virtually any context, virtually any position, because you've had experience doing a little bit of I everything. Have, I have done a little bit of everything, yeah, it's in, and uh, including nursery. So, I mean, it's, it's – uh, <laughs> it, but yes, that's uh, – I think that God knows our path. And he just he just prepares our way. We don't understand it as we go. Yeah. But and with you being our boss, both of us here at this table will have to be. Uh, yeah, I don't like on the our best boss behavior. Term. On our best behavior. I don't today. like the boss term. Yes. <laughs> but I can't share the joke that I was just thinking as yeah. he was sharing. Yeah. So <laughs> you'll have to call or text me if you want to hear what I was thinking. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, today, you know, I want, I want to talk about this topic of, uh, will Christianity wreck your life? So I had, uh, with Pastor Sean being on his study leave this summer, we're entering into a new sermon series where a number of us on staff are, are preaching over the course of the summer through the parables of Jesus. And the first parable that I chose was the, the, this man who finds this treasure hidden in a field, and he stumbles upon it, and give up, he gives up everything he owns to go purchase this, this field. Uh, so, so the thing I argued for in the message was that uh, the extraordinary worth of the kingdom calls for extraordinary commitment. The question that I began the message was, with was, will Christianity wreck your life? Uh, because I think a lot of people think that if I come to Christ, then you know, it's gonna, it is in some sense going to ruin my life. And uh, you know, I'm gonna, you, you conjure up images of uh, your grandparents' uh, church basement and, you know, uh, you know, ch- cheesy Christian movies, you know, et cetera. But I think there's probably something deeper, deeper going on. Um, what do you think are the biggest hindrances keeping people from responding to the good news of the gospel today? One of the bigger ones that come to mind for me uh, is, 
you know, I just have to look in the mirror first off, I guess. Uh, and I, I think about, uh, you know, over the years, some of the relationships that I've been in or opportunities that I've had to, to listen to people's stories, to, uh, really just bear witness to, you know, the hope that I have or that lives in me. And I, I would have to say a lot of times I feel like I've been in those situations and I've, I've often lacked, I've felt an ability to, to speak into their life the, the truth of the gospel in, in a way that they kind of needed. I, I've, I've been in enough situations where I've just, you know, I, I felt like my gospel fluency, so to speak, was not in a place where I was ready to be able to effectively communicate the gospel, or, you know, or essentially the good news to them in the way that they needed. Uh, and, and there's a there's a lot to that, but I I think at times that can be one of the greatest hindrances for someone is just not hearing the gospel, you know, in in a way that is that's not just true, but also um, in a way that really speaks to where it is that they are at in their life, uh, and you know, with what they're struggling with, what even with maybe what they're not struggling with, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, that's one of the things that comes to mind for me as a hindrance. So what I hear you saying, Ben, is, you know, they might be coming to you with a particular issue or particular question, and you're you're answering a question that they're not even asking. So you're talking on two different planes in some sense and not actually addressing their question or their problem, their issue with the good news of the gospel. Is that my understanding you yeah. correctly? Yep, that's a big that's a big part of it. And other times it's, they aren't, they aren't even asking a question. They are, they're they're just wrestling with an issue. And because of maybe my, my narrow way of, of being able to communicate the gospel, I, I lack the ability to, you know, I felt anyway, to really speak into their situation and their life with the truths of the gospel in a way that I, you know, that I felt like maybe could really have brought about a certain conviction, you know, in their life. Jeff, how about you? You know, with your, I mean, you've had many years of ministry experience. What are some of the common reasons that you see people rejecting the gospel? Well, I think that it might be what they're rejecting is actually not the gospel so much as what uh, uh, Christians want the gospel to be. You know, it's uh, in our lives uh, or... and I speak very generally in our lives, as Americans, there's a lot of things that we want in this life that we want to experience. And and it would be really great if we knew that those were things that were a part of Christianity, a part of the Christian walk. And there's no place in Scripture where Jesus is actually indicating that. In fact, more often, it's just the opposite. And uh, so I I think that... um, well, I have this example. I, I, it was very impressive to me. It was years ago. It was a Sunshine Music Festival, and uh, there do they were, still do those anymore? I, I don't. I think maybe they moved them, but yeah, this is back once upon a time. A ver- I think Wilmer. they do a version of it. Yeah. Okay, but um, anyway, I went with a friend of mine, and uh, we were listening to one of the opening acts, and it was a, a new emerging pop Christian group, and Petra. Uh, pop Christian group. <laughs> was it? Pe- it wasn't no, Petra. it was not Petra. Michael W. Smith. <laughs> uh, 
they they had they were a one hit wonder group. Okay. okay. Anyway, they gave a gospel message at the end. I don't know if it was a prescribed thing for bands to do that, but as they presented the gospel, uh, it was a, a very much a version of gospel light. It was, uh, you know, Jesus is here for you. He's the answer to your questions. He's, he'll meet your needs, and um, you know. We'd like to pray a prayer, and if, if you would like to uh, accept Jesus and meet the band, you know, come on up front, okay? And I was... And meet the band. And meet the band. <laughs> yeah, there's some incentive there. You get Jesus <laughs> and the band. Uh, and so then following this group was this kind of hard-rocking band from Chicago, the Res Band, if you're looking for names, okay? And um, following or near the end of their concert... Um, the, uh, the lead singer spokesman, Glenn Kaiser got up and he said, if the Holy Spirit is calling you into faith tonight, then it's time for you to respond. But I want to warn you that following Jesus means that your family may reject you, that your friends may reject you, that you don't get to do what you want to do in this life because following Jesus means that he's Lord and you do what Hmm. he tells you. And so I don't want you to come up here tonight unless you are truly convicted by his spirit and you are truly called. And you know what? There'll be some people that'll lead you to the tent in the back while the band continues to play. But if you're going to do this, do it now. And the response to that, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting there waiting to see what happens with this one. The first band got maybe, you know, 30, 40 people. I think about 200 people went forward. Hmm. And for me, that spoke to a whole different, it, it, it spoke like Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. pick up your cross and follow me that I don't think people are looking for a other version of life mm-hmm. with all of the trimmings. I think they're looking for the higher calling of what it means to to know and to follow God. And, mm-hmm. and so I think this is, this hindrance is that what we're offering is something they can get on their own anyway. And what we need to say is, no, it's something completely different. What a great example, though, of really contrasting the two different types of uh, approaches to the gospel. I mean, I I would say one isn't even a communicating the gospel. (laughs) It's just some watered-down version of it. Uh, But I think it's two messages that people hear so often – yeah, I, I was uh, I was impressed by that. It it, it had an influence on uh, everything I did following that in terms of ministry. It's uh, it's if you're going to ask people to take that step, they have got to understand the level of commitment. In one sense, there is the high call of discipleship that Jesus issues, but then there's also the clear uh, teaching in Scripture that salvation is by Grace alone. Well, I, I think it harkens a little bit to the idea that um, that we look to Jesus as Lord, and there's a a, sub, a submission aspect to the lordship of Christ, and and what he is saying is, in effect, is that what I teach, what I call you to, is solid. It it has the strength to endure. It is the kind of thing that is going to work, really. But that that calling, that teaching does 
mm. uh, challenge us. Yeah. It, it isn't just a, okay, you know, now you're saved, now go live the American dream, and then, you know, when you die, you get to go to heaven. Good, you know, good for you. Yeah. It's, it's a, a whole lifetime of drawing closer to Jesus in, and, and absorbing that teaching and allowing the Holy Spirit to move and transform our hearts and change us into the image of Christ so that we're living more and more like he did. And that is a sure foundation. You're listening to The Raw Roast, and we're having a conversation today about this question, will Christianity wreck your life? In other words, we're, we're talking about the demands of, of discipleship and, and the cost of, of following Jesus. We would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Uh, we would encourage you to email us at podcast at calvarychurch.us. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for us today, uh, please feel free to email us. Um, ben, one of the <clears throat> one of the passages in the in Scripture in the New Testament that I think is one of the most challenging and probably speaks to us in our Western culture today um, is the, the, the passage where Jesus is confronted by this rich young ruler and he comes and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then Jesus tells him, you must, uh, if, you, if you wish to be perfect, uh, go sell all you have and then come follow me. And it's so striking because right at the end of that passage, and this is in Matthew uh, chapter 19, verses 16 to 30, says that the rich man went away sad because he had great wealth. What is this passage, how does this, what is Jesus speaking to us? What is he telling us today in our, in our culture? Because I think we could probably say that all of us are the rich young ruler to some extent. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We're all the rich young ruler, even if, even if you're not, you know, quote unquote rich, uh, you know, Jesus is, for me, what I hear Jesus saying and doing in, in that instance is um, saying it's it's about your heart. You know, I, I, I want your heart. And I think part of what he's doing is he's he knows this rich young ruler, right? And he knows that there's, um, for, for this particular young man, wealth is uh, is first place. It's it's the thing that he, in a sense, um, goes to for his security and his, you know, in a sense, it's an idol or it, it, it's what he goes to for his support and comfort. Um, so I think what Jesus is doing in, in this parable is, is similar to what he's doing for all of us, which is he's saying, I, I want your heart. I want your uh, allegiance, so to speak. I want to be first in your life. And so I don't think he's speaking directly to to the idea of, of money, like, hey, money's evil and bad, and so you, if you have it, you better give it all away, or you can't be a, a follower of mine. But I think he's saying, whatever is in your life, whatever you're going to, whatever you're placing your trust in, um, whatever has become, in a sense, like you were saying, Jeff, kind of Lord of your life, I actually want to be Lord of your life. I want your heart. And that is very different than what they were used to up until that point. I mean, they were living in a culture where it was about, you know, following the law and it was about, it was about practice and, and duty and, you know, in a sense doing the right thing, but they had, had lost kind of, they had lost their way, uh, you know, over those hundreds of years, um, you know, before Jesus came <clears throat> where Jesus was now coming in and saying, Hey, you, you've lost your first love. You know, it, it's become about 
um, rules and regulations and, and no longer uh, has it, you know, is it about worship and, and giving all of who you are to God the Father? And so I think he was coming to write, write that. And this is one example that we get of Jesus speaking into a young man's life and kind of helping him understand that. There's not a lot of difference, I think, uh, from that, that rich young ruler in Jesus' time and many Americans. And I think that there is a sense that what we have materially uh, either brings us security or brings us happiness. And so it, it – but it seems to me that we really need to address this then when it comes to what is our commitment to Christ look like in, in here and now in America – and I'm wondering, you know, um, how do we get a perspective on this material gain? Because we're saying that it, it's it's less about the actual material and more about that perspective. But how do we transition from this American mindset into uh, this this Christ directed mindset? I know we've we've talked about Tim Keller a number of times on these episodes, but he does have a way of saying things that I think is really profound. And one of the things that he says that I think is really helpful is that if you're, if money is your idol, if anything is your idol, uh, but he's, in, he's specifically talking about money, you'll never have enough. Like if, if money is your idol, you'll never have enough money. I mean, it could be, you could, you could fill in the blank. It could be if uh, intelligence, you know, if, if intelligence is your idol, you you know, the degrees on your wall, you'll never have enough, uh, intel, you'll never be intelligent enough. You'll never have enough degrees on your wall. Uh, and so I think it's a question of looking at where, if we're finding our value in our identity, in our worth, in our possessions, then we will never have enough. So I think it's looking at contentment in our own heart. So I think Jesus addresses this in, in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24, you know, he begins, don't store up tre- for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in, treasures in heaven. Then he goes into this strange little phrase. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, which seems at first glance, I mean, this seems really disconnected from him talking about storing up treasures in heaven. But in, in a first century culture, to have a, a healthy eye was another way of speaking about one being generous. And so what Jesus is saying here is that generosity really is a good indicator of one's spiritual health. And so if we, if we look at our own lives, I think one way of assessing whether or not we are being lured by this American dream is by the level of generosity in our life. So that, I think that's one practical thing. Um, and even going back to the message yesterday, looking at our, uh, back when they had checkbooks, you know, looking at our checkbooks or our Venmo account. The way that we're spending our money is actually a really good indicator of our spiritual health. Is that answering your question, Jeff? Is that getting to it? <laughs> well, it's certainly a piece of it. Yeah, okay. Definitely. What do you guys think? So what are some practical applications that we could take from you know, the, the, the parable of the treasure hidden in the, in the field, but also the parable of the rich young ruler? You know, if, if it might not necessarily mean to literally sell everything we have on Facebook Marketplace, um, what, what, what does this mean for us? And how do we know if our allegiance is to Jesus first and foremost? Well, I think that, um, and this, this is tough. I, I remember experiencing this in my 20s as a, as a newer Christian. 
and looking at the things I had. And there were just a few things that I actually owned that had any real value to them. And one of them was a, a very expensive guitar that I had bought during that time. And, and I can remember uh, thinking about, it was probably based on a message I heard, but thinking about, could I sell this? I mean, I had saved a lot of money mm -hmm. to buy this guitar. And could I sell it? Could I, in my heart, totally release it? And I, and I was, I got to a place where I could. And I thought, well, see, this, this is where I need to be. This is, I wasn't being called to release it, mm. but could I release it? And I think about that now, and it's a little bit more difficult down the road because there's a whole lot more stuff in my house, you yeah. know, but am I free to give it away? Uh, you know, can I, can I give away my car. If, if I'm called to do that, can I just do that? And that's, that's a check. And I mean, it's a perspective check, but where is our heart? Mm -hmm. The heart of generosity is, is I think a calling above regular giving and just, just a sense of seeing need and wanting to meet that need and then prayerfully stepping up. Mm -hmm. And I think whenever we step up to do that, that God honors that in our lives with some other kind of blessing, not necessarily monetary, but I mean, this, I think this is the kind of check that we need in terms of uh, a commitment that what we own is not really ours. It's just on mm -hmm. loan. And so to have the freedom in our heart to give that up means that it doesn't possess us. That's really good. Uh, ben, what else would you add to this conversation about how we know if our allegiance is to Christ first and foremost? Yeah, that's a good word, Jeff. I, uh, I think to add a little bit to that, you know, maybe outside of possessions, but just thinking of the things that we, you know, that we quote unquote have, whether it's our, uh, you know, the, the talents that we have or the, the gifts, the, the time uh, and the energy that we possess, we have a finite amount of that, right? All of us do. And I think in a similar way, Tucker, to like you were saying, if you take a look at your, you know, your bank accounts or, you know, in that, in that conversation around, around money and where your heart is and, you know, are you truly living open-handed and generous? You can, you can just look at the facts, right? Like where is the money going? I think it's similar with, with time and, and energy and focus. Uh, if, again, if we, and we've talked about this, I think in previous, in, you know, in a previous podcast or two as well, but there's a, there's a practical exercise to do to just be sitting down regularly and reflecting on, uh, and and asking God, God help me to um, take an account of where I'm spending my time. Uh, what am I, what am I focused on? And and that can't be done, I think, unless you slow down mm -hmm. long enough to really ask the question and then listen. And then you know whether you're writing it or even just making mental notes in in your head. You know, and for me, I, that that for me is is prayer. Like that's you know, again, slowing down, going before God and um, just asking him, God, give me wisdom to know whether or not I'm truly living wholeheartedly for you. Am I living in a way that, um, that you're calling me to, where I'm truly taking up my cross and follow, you know, and following you? Am I, um, yeah. Is it truly wholehearted? And that's a process, you know, I, and I think it can change throughout you know, throughout our lives, we need, uh, we need that regular going before God and, 
And I think we need people in our lives that are going to speak into, speak into us and be willing to hold us accountable um, where we can go and say, hey, as you see my life, as you experience me in my life, what, what are your thoughts? You know, do you see me as someone who's living sold out for, for Jesus and the gospel? Or are there areas in my life that, um, you know, that, that need some change? And then hearing from those folks as well. Just this past weekend, I was having a conversation uh, with my family about some some people that we know that are always getting the the bigger and better things. And in that conversation, I not only did I sense this judgmental spirit in me, but the spirit of I want that. And I think that's yeah. another thing that we need to pay attention to is what like where, what directions. Um, are our, is our heart being lured? I mean, are we, are, being, are we being enticed by certain things? Because if we are, I think that's also a good indication of, of our spiritual maturity. Yeah. So even in this past weekend, it was like, wow, I, I noticed in my own life a, a covetousness, a desire to want something mm-hmm. that wasn't mine. And, you know, the root cause of that is Probably, if I'm honest, there's an idolatry of wealth and possessions that I'm still mm-hmm. clinging to, and that yeah. idol doesn't die easily. Yeah. As a confession, that even being uh, overly frugal, yeah, as a contrast, can be mm-hmm. uh, an idol because it's it's uh, Ben. You alluded to the use of time and how uh, I, I can see this in myself, where yeah. it's I we need something. Okay. Yeah. But how much time do I spend shopping yeah. online looking for the best deal? And I hate to admit how much time I've spent shopping trying to find a you know a good deal on something because I I, I value getting the best price. So, uh, but that's a time thing. Well, let's let's go. I mean, I think those are really good insights. I mean, so it's, it's maybe placing too much. I mean, we can we can have an inordinate amount of interest in material things on both ends of the spectrum. It could be in frugality, like you're saying, like we, we prize ourselves on not having anything or on the other end of the spectrum, it's, we want the yacht and the cars and the, you know, all the toys. Um, so I think it's looking at our heart. What, what, what is the true motivation going on? What's the true motivation behind the way that we're responding to material wealth? Um, We've talked about a lot today about discipleship. We've talked about what it means to be wholly committed to following Jesus. What's, what's one bit of practical wisdom that you'd like to leave with our listeners? I would just say it's a perspective check. Um, if we can look at the things that we own, maybe even the relationships that we have or the uh, things that we participate in, and consider them on loan from God, a gift from God, and... Uh, that we are free to mm-hmm. share that out, to give that away, or to walk away from that for mm-hmm. the sake of the kingdom. That if we're positionally able to release ourselves from things, then our commitment to Christ is going to be that much sounder. That's good. So a perspective check. Uh, ben, what would you add? What would be one bit of wisdom to leave with our listeners? Yeah, this would be a, a simple, uh, you know, practical exercise to to maybe consider doing each day. And I'm, I'm sure many of you listening do a form of this. 
Uh, but I would encourage, you know, in any kind of time that you're spending with the Lord or any, any moment that you can catch, you know, during your day where you're reflecting or you're, you're just pausing and you're going before the Lord, I would say um, continue to ask uh, God to speak to you around, uh, around this, like spend time listening to, you know, to the father. Uh, and a lot of times I know, yeah, in my own life, I'm, I'm going before God and I, there's a long list of things that I want to say to God or, you know, requests that I have. There's a lot kind of on my heart, but I think finding, you know, even two to three minutes during the day where I'm, I'm pausing and listening, and then maybe I'm also ready to, to write something down, write a reflection down when I ask him, God, is my, is my treasure, you know, quote unquote treasure fully in you? Because I know that where my treasure is there, my heart will also be, you know, God, am I truly uh, living a life where, you know, where, where you're number one, you're at the top and, um, and, and everything is, is kind of flowing from that. And I think God is, you know, he's not hiding from us. He's, he speaks to us. You know, James says that anybody who desires wisdom, uh, you know, ask for it. God gives it, gives generously. So he, he's always speaking. He's always ready um, to, to speak to us. And so I think even around this, you know, specific uh, issue that we've been talking about today, just ask the Father. I trust, you know, that he will, uh, that he'll tell you. He'll let you know. I think the the only thing that I would add, it just as a practical bit of wisdom, would be the looking at my own past. Like, and I would, if if you're listening to to do this as well, to to look at the things that you've spent your money on in the past and how unsatisfied it leaves you. So why would we expect it to be any different about the things that we want or we covet? Um, so look at the unsatisfaction of the past, um, and as we think about what Jesus talks about in this parable, to think of the, the satisfaction that he brings and that the kingdom brings, that it's of infinite value. Um, so will Christianity wreck your life? Um, yes, to some extent. It's going to wreck the things that you think are important, that you think are valuable, that you covet, that you want. Um, but I love what Irenaeus says, one of the early church fathers, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Uh, and Jesus came to offer us life and life abundantly. Well, thank you for joining us. I appreciate both of you and your wisdom, your insights today on this uh, really challenging topic, but important topic of discipleship, wholehearted commitment to Jesus. And I want to thank you for listening. If you would like more information about Calvary Church, you can visit calvarychurch.us. You can check us out online or in person on Sunday mornings. Uh, We want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. It also helps if you leave us a review. Uh, I also want to encourage you to send us an email at podcast at calvarychurch.us. If you have any questions that you would like us to cover in the future, if you want to leave us any comments about today's episode or any episode in the past, uh, we would love to hear your comments. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you join us again next week.